And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Ryan, it's Joe. Joe who? Plumber. Uh, Can you give me that tour story? The what? I've asked you like 90 times. Nick gave me a tour story. Why won't you give me a tour story? Uh, You're still doing this? Yep. I thought this thing was done. I thought like you... You're still doing these? We're still doing it. Still generating a pretty serious amount of money for not just myself, but other people. And... uh, Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't really want, do I have to do, I mean, is, is our friendship based on this thing? Well, because I'll do it for you. I, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it for you. Just because you won't, um, and then don't leave me alone about this stupid thing. Okay. I can't do it right now, but I'm driving, so. You, um, but you told me, you told me yesterday to call you at this time to, to do it, and now I'm. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I wasn't planning on driving right now, but I am, so why don't you just call okay. me. 
Like, I know I sound annoyed, and it's just because I am. Just give me a call tomorrow. We'll do it. All right. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'll call. Uh Uh-huh. Please answer. Please answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Brian Katner is a singer-songwriter for bands Man Man, Mr. Heavenly, and his solo efforts, Honus Honus. In this episode, we hear how Ryan's very first show leads to an arrest and a band from a very particular festival. He also gives us a few bonus gems from his life on the road. From Ruinous Media, this is Tour Stories. I didn't go to school for music. I didn't have bands in high school. I didn't have bands in college. I went to school for... uh playwriting and screenwriting and so when i graduated college and was filled with the the terrifying reality that there's no jobs in those fields i decided that i would get a terrible job that would motivate me to write and then that would motivate me to leave philadelphia and move to los angeles to try to become a professional screenwriter so i got a job in a starbucks and i got an apartment directly across the street from the starbucks so that i could in theory in my head I'll write scripts, I'll look out the window, I'll see the job that I hate, that I have to work. And so I did this, and it sucked, it truly sucked. And it was a motivating factor, but uh, it was just depressing, with a depression hat on top, that depression. Uh, But my manager at the store, he was in a post-hardcore band. Uh, They were a band on Gern Blanstein, called the Transmagetti. So my my manager's name was Julian, and we've since become friends. But at the time, he was a hard-ass manager who just busted my balls all the time. He treated me like a younger brother, so it was out of some semblance of love. But he came up to me one day, and he was like, you know, uh, the Transpaghetti, and yeah, well, we're getting back together, and uh, we're going to go on tour, and uh, so do you, do you play anything? I was like, uh, I, I guess I can kind of play guitar. He's like, okay, uh, can you play bass? I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a bass once in high school, and uh, I was like, okay. So he gave me the tracks, and uh, I could not play the bass parts. They were really hard. A lot of movement, a lot of feel, things that I didn't possess at the time, having never been in a band or played with people. So, you know, I went back to him. I was like, yeah, I, I can't play any of these parts. He was like, okay, well, uh, can you play keyboards? It's like, well, I, I took lessons when I was in seventh grade. Okay, well, there's some keyboard parts you can do. I'll just show you the keyboard parts. And then uh, here's a sampler. So you just trigger these samples. And then uh, we'll figure it out. It's like, okay, sure, I'll try. So he bought me like a little MIDI controller. He made me go out and buy like this little synth module that I hooked it up to. And he gave me uh, like a little boss sampler, whatever, doctor sample thing. So I learned keyboard parts for color, I guess, for this thing. With the intention being we're going to go tour in Europe. So the first part of passing the test was... I spent money on a synth module and a MIDI keyboard. Two things that until that point had no idea what it meant. I had no idea what MIDI meant. I had no idea what a synth module was, but it was cool. I mean, it had like sounds of like helicopters and all the stuff I liked when I was a kid taking lessons. And I was like, oh, okay. So this plugs into this thing, which makes no sound unless it's plugged into this thing. Okay, cool. The parts that you showed me, were they were pretty simple. I mean, it was, I don't know. All I know is the singer could barely tolerate me because I was just some dude who's never been in a band who's suddenly playing keyboards in his band that didn't have keyboards. <laughs> and the drummer also could barely tolerate me. They didn't know what the fuck Julian was doing. Like for, for all intents and purposes, they lost their awesome bass player. And then here was me not playing bass. And, uh, and I got my roommate at the time to play bass. 
So I passed the test. I spent money to buy stuff that I didn't really know how to use. But before Europe, we had to play a show or two. So Julian comes out to me. He's like, yeah, so we got the show in, uh, in, in Wilmington, North Carolina, and you're going to play it. It's like your first show. And so the first time I was really going to be like playing a show, it was going to be my first show. And I'm guessing that they were not excited about me. But now I was jumping in a van and going to Wilmington, North Carolina to play my first show. I was 21 years old, worthless human being. <laughs> so we go, we go to Wilmington, North Carolina to play the show, to cut our teeth and to see whether or not I could pass the mustard of playing a live show. I mean, my, my role is so inconsequential. And I think Julian, God bless him, maybe saw something in me that would turn into an unfortunate career in music. Or maybe Julian just like tormenting me and like watching me squirm. But regardless, I'm thankful, Julian. But we show up for the show and the show's been canceled. And this 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 was like MapQuest era of touring, you know, unless you had money to buy a GPS. Like there was you know, you printed out map directions and you call, you know, some there's cell phones, but whatever. So we get there, the show's been canceled. He was like, no worries, guys. The promoter. Show's been canceled. So we're going to have the show in my apartment. Classic post-hardcore show. All I remember was that it was a second-story apartment. We had a loud show. The cops didn't come. So I'm guessing I slept on the floor. I don't even... I don't remember any of that stuff. But I do remember the next morning, we were like, oh, we're a woman. We're in Wilmington, North Carolina. Let's do a tour of this town before we get back in our van and drive. So we, we asked uh, the guy, the promoter, to, sh- to show us around town. It's a, it's a very beautiful, quaint town. You can, it's walkable. He lived like kind of near downtown. Anyway, there was a big parade in town. And there was a circus in town. And it was, it was the Azalea Flower Festival. So we're, we're getting the tour around town, you know, just uh, four post-hardcore dudes and me and, and the promoter guy. And his girlfriend and all her friends we met the night before, they're in college, but they were, they were going to go protest the parade because there was a circus in town also in the parade. So they were going to protest animal cruelty. And so they were, they decided the best form of protest was to dress up like circus clowns and jump into the parade with signs and intermingle with the actual circus parade. So we bid them good luck before we set off on our tour of the town. And they went off to, to protest, which, you know, I support it, do it, make it happen. And if you're going to infiltrate like that, more power to you. That's rad. So as I was saying, we're walking around town and uh, I remember we're walking down this and my brain, it was cobblestone streets, but it probably wasn't, but it was like a Mayberry type street. And in the distance, it was, it was, it was like a movie scene. We hear like footsteps on asphalt and we stop and we see a clown run towards us. A clown runs towards us and then sprints past us and runs down the street and disappears around the block. Then we see a couple more clowns running and they're carrying their signs and they're sprinting as fast as possible. And the parade is nowhere, you know, the parade's blocks away. So a clown runs down the hill, which we recognize, and it turns out to be the failed promoter's girlfriend. And she runs up to us. She hands me her sign because I want to read it. And I'm reading her sign and it just has says some anti-animal cruelty stuff regarding the circus which is cool you know circuses can be pretty ruthless 
And the next thing I know is someone's grabbing my arm and twisting it behind my back. And when that happens, instinctually, you want to know who the hell is grabbing your arm. So I turn around and that suddenly becomes resisting arrest. And a cop throws me on the ground and my bandmates run up. The cop's partner screams, stand back, motherfuckers. And, and he takes a defensive stance and he has his mace held out and he's ready to spray down these guys. So they, they stand back and don't get maced. And the cop who's handcuffing me is, you know, he's telling me I'm under arrest. And he just drags me down the street. He doesn't even let me get to my feet. And he's dragging me down the street and I'm asking him, what did I do? What did I do? Am I dressed like a clown? And, and it, he was arresting me for protesting this parade. And I was not dressed like a clown. <laughs> Everyone else is dressed like a clown. I just happened to be standing in the middle of a very white downtown reading a protest sign. So he drags me down the street and it was, it was a long street. It was probably a hundred yards just dragging me down the fucking street. And he takes me to the cop car. He throws me on the cop car and he's detaining me. And I'm at the cop car with other clowns, other clowns. I'm at the cop car with clowns that they arrested, not handcuffed, just standing by the car, talking to each other, casually hanging out. And he has me face down on the hood of his car. And the whole time, you know, I'm just, I'm not dressed like a clown. I was reading the sign. I'm not protesting. And he's telling me to shut the fuck up. He's going to lock me up. Yada, yada, yada. I'm the only guy handcuffed. And I'm all scuffed up from where he tackled me to the ground and where he dragged me down the street. And when he dragged me down the street, he made a big procession of it. Like, there's families watching me. There's little kids watching me. And I'm like this mustachioed 21-year-old guy from Philly. (laughs) Half Filipino-looking dude getting arrested in Wilmington, North Carolina. So they detained me for about 45 minutes, threatening me the whole time, trying to get me to confess to something I didn't do, which was protest a parade as a clown. They eventually did let me go because they didn't really have any grounds to hold me or arrest me, but I was banned from the Azalea Festival and they escorted our ban- they escorted us out of town. And they said if they saw me in town, they were going to arrest me and put me in, in jail. So that's how I got banned from the Wilmington, North Carolina Azalea Festival. That that playing in that band kind of got me into playing music. So fuck you, Julian. It was it's funny actually. In, in in Europe, I just I was like, oh, you know this this keyboard playing thing is kind of fun actually. And some some like little ideas that I had worked out during sound checks and stuff, and uh, ended up becoming songs for my first man man record and that kind of got me back into playing keyboards so it's, it's kind of funny how that turned out thanks julian we were playing this gallery in phoenix and it was a it was a it was a cool art space gallery that had shows running behind the gallery was an active railroad track and, you know, we watch trains go by. You'd be playing a set and you'd hear the train go by and everything would rattle. So the end of the night, we're loading out our gear. And uh, I'm not sure why I was barefoot. And we're, we're behind the venue and we're just shooting the shit, loading out gear. Trains are going by. 
And then we hear this god-awful sound, and we, we turn to our right, and we see this, it's like a blazer or SUV something, just tears down the tracks past us, on the tracks. The car is driving on the tracks. And it's wild, you know? <laughs> and uh, I don't know if they were drunk, probably. Don't know if the car was stolen. Most likely. Don't know if they were kids. Don't know who was in the car. But about 75, 80 I don't, yards, I don't know. It would, 75 yards down their way, the truck blows out a tire and is just on the track, stalled out. And, you know, we're all pretty impressed with this. But the driver's staying in the car, and we're all thinking the same thing. This train operates on a fairly regular schedule. I wonder if we're going to see something happen. Then we hear the train coming. (laughs) We hear the train whistle blowing. Mark Canditti and I just get into a dead sprint towards the blazer. Get out of the, get out of the car, get out of the car. Train's coming. And we're running on this gravel. I'm barefoot. And, Rather than jump out of the car, they decide that they're going to outrace the train to the intersection, which they can't do because they can't get off the tracks because their their wheels are locked on the tracks. And uh, the train's going so fast, we don't even hear the impact. So we don't even know if they made it to the intersection just in time or if the train just, you know, killed them. Because there was no sign, there was no wreckage. We followed the train down for a long time to try to find the wreck or just to see anything. Because the train stopped, so it, it definitely hit something. And uh, yeah, Mark Candidi and I walked back to where we were loading gear. And I think everyone probably felt a little rotten because I know everyone in their head was like, oh, this would be crazy if we saw a train hit a car. And we did, I think. Remember we played the masquerade i had reconnected with a high school buddy there uh, on on a very basic level we got along until we got alcohol into him so drunk that i didn't even make it into our hotel room that night i passed out in the van in the parking lot during the summer so not not a good night's sleep and i woke up the next day felt terrible Severely dehydrated and hungover. So our next show is in Birmingham in a place called The Bottle Tree, which is no more. The show, I'm sure, was a real struggle to make it through. They had, you know, like a 1950s Airstream in the back. It was pretty private and bands could just hang out. And and as soon as I walked off the stage, there was a guy back there waiting for me. And the first thing he said to me was, hey, dude, do you want to see my balls? You know, not a question I get every day. And so uh, I told him no. He's like, no, man, you got to see my balls. They're really long. It's like, okay, man, I'll check out your balls. Let me just make sure these guys also check out your balls so it's not just me and you checking out your balls. And I was like, all right, let me see it. Just don't let me see your shaft. Cover your shaft off. Let me just see your balls. And he pulled down his pants, and he probably had a medical condition that he needed to get checked out because his, his testicles were no lie down by his knee. I'm, I, I wish I was making it up. 
it was it's like when you're like you know when you put a couple of pieces of bubble gum in your mouth and then you pull that bubble gum really taut out of your mouth it was like that so he showed me his balls and then i said good you've got long balls thanks man and he put his balls back in his pants and he left anyway my bandmate who was a fill-in on the tour his name is Dan, but I called him Chestnut. He came up to me and he's like, oh, I, I, I know you're probably really tired and stuff. So uh, a fan gave me uh, these, it's it's a, it's like a sleeping pill. It's like a Valium or something. It'll chill you out. You should be able to sleep. He's like, he gave me one too. It's like, oh, okay. Normally would not do this, but I, I put it in my mouth and he put, it in, he put his in his mouth and it instantly dissolved on my tongue. And I knew that this was not a sleeping pill. Because sleeping pills don't dissolve on your tongue. And uh, we proceeded to go crash at this photographer's loft. And uh, I I took the couch. And I think Dan slept on a sleeping bag. All night long, I thought that there were fleas because he had a cat. I thought there were like dust mites in the couch because I was just twisting and turning and squirming. And my skin was itching. And I was so aggravated. And the next day I checked with everyone and the only other person that had the same thing happen was Dan. <laughs> Dan was convinced he had fleas all night as well. And then I asked him what the drug was and it turned out to be Suboxone, which I guess is used to get people off of methadone. And it what it does is, I don't know, I, maybe I should do the research, but I think it's supposed to create withdrawal symptoms so dan and i were laying in the back of the van on our entire drive from birmingham to our next show in baton rouge having to stop and puke (laughs) and we could like our bodies were itching and we were just vomiting nonstop. and we had to play a show that night and it was so lame because i was laying outside in baton rouge in the back of the van going through some sort of withdrawal from this drug and i and I was like, I got to play a show. I don't know how I'm going to fucking play a show. This is awful. We played the show. The show was fine. I even had the corniest thought I think I've ever had in my life. And I'm playing the show. I'm kind of in a daze. I feel terrible. The lights are super bright and colorful. And I and the, the, lame, the lamest thought I've ever had was, wow, this must be how it was when you're like an old jazz musician hooked on heroin. And uh, still felt shitty that night. Still vomiting after the show. And then the next day we met up with you guys in uh, in New Orleans, House of Blues, and uh, that was probably the best show of tour. Like came snapped out of it, and it was an incredible show. And so, uh, lesson kids is never take drugs from a stranger. Thanks to Ryan for the story, and thank you for listening. If you like tour stories, please subscribe, and don't forget about our companion episode, the check in, all at ruinousmedia.com slash tour stories.